Hey, wait, can we hang on? Hang on just a second. Sorry. I, hey, you guys don't ever hear my voice. My name is Brian. I'm the, I'm the nerd that puts the epic narrative together. Thanks for listening, by the way. I'm interrupting to let you guys know about a contest that we're running uh, for a new logo for the epic narrative. If you're a fan of the epic narrative and you happen to be good at graphic design or digital art and you'd like to take a crack at designing a new logo for us, we would love that. We're going to be running a contest starting Monday, March 7th, 2022 through Sunday, April 10th, 2022. You can submit any art designs that you have for a new logo for the epic narrative to thebobswitzer at gmail.com. And if we think it represents the epic narrative well and we fall in love with it uh, you will win a $50 Apple Pay credit that we will send over to you or an equivalent if you don't have an Apple product and it will become the new logo for us and we will announce the winner a couple weeks after submissions close um, sorry to interrupt back to the epic narrative hey everybody I'm Anna McEwen and now for Bob Switzer with the epic narrative. All right, welcome back to the epic narrative. We have got ourselves right in the middle of a great old story here of Cain and Abel. Now, Cain had uh, Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices. If you remember, they brought their sacrifices. They gave their sacrifices, and one had favor, one didn't have favor. And Cain was the one who didn't have favor. And I'm saying that they, he did it because he didn't have favor. He wasn't accepted by God. Not because he didn't obey some rule that evidently we didn't know about, which was you have to bring an animal in order to be acceptable to God. It was more so that his heart wasn't right. And he was doing this out of obligation and expectation and, and reaction to Abel or the reaction to his circumstances and when he was, when Abel was accepted and he wasn't, he was angry. He was disappointed. He felt inferior. I mean, both guys brought what they, what they knew was valuable, which is an important, you know, thing to to think about when you bring something to the to the Lord as a sacrifice. It needs to be something of value. And a lot of us bring time. A lot of us bring effort. Sometimes we lay, you know, stuff down we at, at the quote altar. Sometimes it's our it's our pride, right? We we some, some people sing out loud <laughs> and they probably shouldn't. But that's not what they're there for, right? They're there to sacrifice. They're there to bring something to just express their heart of love and gratitude to the Lord, which which tells me that there's a relationship between God and Abel, that's already existing. It's not like God is this distant uh, relative that used to be a really close friend of mom and dad. Got really pissed off, kicked him out of the out of the house, and now he's like, now we're just trying to get his attention somehow. We're just trying to get him to like us again. I, I don't I don't think that exists at this point. I think a relationship exists between uh, Abel and God. And that's why he's bringing a sacrifice of, of worship. He's bringing a sacrifice of value. And he's doing so with the right heart because God accepts it. And it's not that God required it. It's that he accepts our worship. He accepts our sacrifice because he knows our heart behind it. 
God doesn't God doesn't require anything. He just uh, it's it's such a a religious twisted world that we live in that so many people find that statement to be uh, uh, crazy. Like Bob, you're out of your mind. God doesn't require anything. He just doesn't. This is where we're seeing it. So Cain finds himself in this very negative circumstance, finds himself overwhelmed by rejection and, and disappointment and feeling inferior and, and unworthy and, and probably embarrassed and, and ashamed and all the things that, that the enemy loves to do, all the things that shame loves to give access to, right? It's, shame's just the original gate opener, right? But he opens up all the other gates and... And religion just loves to pile on. He loves, religious mindsets love to pile on and make you feel even worse. So they, he knows that he brought a bunch of stuff that the village could have used, that the city could have used, that the other family members could have used, that he could have sold. Now, now he could be called a fool for wasting these resources. He could be seen by others as like being personally <laughs> rejected by God. And if he's rejected by God, then he's probably going to be rejected by others. And the reason why I, I throw that one in is later in the story, we actually see that this is the legitimate fear that he has. That he'll be rejected by others. So it goes again to prob his probable motivation for even bringing the sacrifice to the Lord is he wanted others to accept him. Religious obligation is like, that's like a founding, uh, not document, founding stone in the foundation, right? You want to be acceptable? You better behave correctly. Uh, there's so many parents that run their, their families like this. You want to be acceptable? You better, you better behave correctly. What does God do when we're being overwhelmed by, by shame? Well, currently our pattern is he shows up and he asks questions. He asks questions so that we become aware of where we are and what you know what we've done, <laughs> so that we can make the choice to reconnect with him in his heart of goodness and love. So the Lord says to Cain, once again, Cain doesn't seem shocked by this. It means that God has a has a relationship with people. He's not distant. He's not isolated out. He hasn't cast Adam and Eve out on you know out of the garden in order to never speak to them again in order to not speak to any of their children there's a relationship and a connection to God that is real and and it is it is personal in that the voice of God can be heard I still don't know why Adam and Eve haven't gone gone to God and said you know what can we do but currently this is where they are we often get overwhelmed by our behavior and just believe that there's no way we can ever get back to where we came from. That's not the, the attitude of God. So here he goes. He's like, Cain, why are you angry? Hmm. Another, another question. Why is your face downcast? Once again, I don't know how much time is between these questions. But he asks questions, and once again, not because he needs information, but he asks questions as an invitation for relationship and understanding. 
Now, on a side note, this is the reason why we should ask questions of one another in any relationship is for understanding and and uh, in, in, sorry, in, as invitations for understanding and relationship, not for shame or not or manipulation or or control. We ask questions in order to invite relationship and understanding. Sometimes I'll ask the question starting with the words like, help me understand. I tell people all the time, somebody says I'm going to do something and they don't do something. Don't start out with an accusation. You didn't do what you said you were going to do. Go with a question. Trust their heart. Trust that there's a reason that you just don't know or don't understand. So you go to them and say, all right, so help me understand. You said, you know, I I heard you say this. So what did you mean? What did you mean by that? Because what I'm seeing doesn't match up, but that doesn't mean that you did it on purpose. It just means I need, you know, I'd like to understand what, what happened. This is this is a t- typical story. Like if you if if you're ever in a, in a meeting and I'm talking about this kind of thing, I will tell you this story because because this story is just for me a perfect illustration of it. Uh, my boys, now probably all all the kids were playing Legos. They love Legos. Legos are awesome, right? They're playing Legos. Legos are going great. Uh, they're also playing. Um, they, you know, not started out with Legos. They started with other toys in the playroom. Playroom is the playroom. Lots of stuff on the floor. Good. Everything's going great. They're like, uh, Dad, can we go outside and jump on the trampoline? Yes, you can. Absolutely. But first, I'd like you to pick up the playroom because I know when they get outside and they get on the trampoline, there's other games that they play that usually involve, you know, tackling each other, uh, trying to push each other, chasing each other around the trampoline. This was, you know, back in the day when the trampolines were, uh, you know, three and a half, four feet off the ground. There were no nets. There weren't, there weren't, you know, special doorways. <laughs> there weren't coverings over the springs. Like I had like a legit trampoline for them. <laughs> Survival of the fittest. Oh man. Uh, sorry. I appreciate the fact that parents try to keep their children safe. And yes, it probably would have been potentially uh, healthier for them to have had a, a net that kept them safe, but I didn't. Anyways, so I knew once they got out there, it could get, they could be out there for a while because they could get rambunctious and run around more. Da, 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 da. So I was like, can you pick up the playroom before you go outside? Yes, dad, we'll take care of that. Okay, awesome. And I continued doing whatever it was I was doing. Da, 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 da. I come back by the playroom. They're out on the trampoline. I go by the play playroom and there are Legos everywhere. Everywhere, which, of course, you know, it's very dangerous when you step on those things. There's a good chance you might you you may never walk again. Even if you're wearing shoes and they're indestructible, like they're they're an amazing, they're an amazing engineering phenomenon. Legos are. So I have an opportunity here, right? I could go outside, yell at my kids, tell them to get inside and do what I told them to do. Because they clearly did not pick up the playground playroom like I asked them to. Or I could come in with a question in order to invite relationship, conversation, and understanding. Not shame, not guilt, not threats, 
not punitive. Like, remember, this goes back to the picture of God, right? If God comes at, at Cain with, you know, accusation and judgment, that's one thing. But he doesn't. He comes with questions. Why? Because he's not a punitive God. He doesn't sit at the throne room. Uh, uh, sorry, in the throne room. He does sit in the throne room. He doesn't sit in the judgment seat with a gavel looking to destroy people. He invites conversation. He invites relationship, understanding. Anyway, so I go outside. I stick my head outside. I hate boys. What did I ask you to do before you went outside? They're like bouncing, you know, having a great time. Clean up the playground, playroom. It's like, awesome. Yes. Did you do that? Yes, we did. Okay. Now, again, my, my choice. What am I going to do? Okay. Then help me understand why... Are there Legos all over the ground? And they all kind of, you know, stop jumping briefly. They're kind of bouncing at this point. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Well, that's because we're coming back in to play with Legos. We're in the middle of building whatever it was. Like they, they, they always built what the Lego thing box said to build. And then after that, they would, it was just creative engineering, right? They were going to build a city, whatever city they were going to build. We just needed a mental break, so we came out here to play. Now, I use the word mental break. I don't know what they said, but they were, that was basically what they said. We just wanted a break from building whatever Star Wars city or something that they were building, and we're going we're gonna to go back in. See, so now I gained understanding. They did pick up the playroom. They picked up the playroom of everything that they needed, or, uh, of everything except what they needed for, for what they planned to continue to do. And I stood there and thought, well, I just probably wasn't specific enough. So I kept that in mind. Next time I needed them to clean up the playroom before they went outside, I said, and listen, if you're going to come back in and play with the play, uh, Legos, can you create a pathway for me to walk through the playroom so that I don't have to step on the Legos because, you know, I could die. And they did. That's the way it is. Ask questions, invite conversation, relationship, understanding. There was no need to shame them into this. There was no way, no need to manipulate them into behavior. Even though, theoretically, I'd have a right. Because I asked the question. I have a right. I have a right. God doesn't approach life that way. We shouldn't either. And that goes for what you do with your kids, what you do with your spouse, Best friend, co-workers, it's all there. See, Cain already has shame. He already feels rejected. Shame's already come in. He already feels disappoint, like he's a disappointment and that he's disappointed others by wasting precious food and vegetables that could have been used. Uh, but... God doesn't come in and continue to use the enemy's weapons. He doesn't say, oh, you think shame is on you now? Wait till I show up. I will double down and crush you by it. I heard it said like this in the spiritual realm. If you use the enemy's weapons to accomplish the, you know, the plans of God, the enemy gets stronger, not God. 
And I think so many churches and ministries and and well-meaning leaders of households have used the weapons of the enemy, guilt, shame, manipulation, fear, pride. They've used those sort of things and they've, they've created a visual of something that looks godly. It looks like something God's involved in and yet it's not because God doesn't use those things. And the kingdom of God doesn't have those things. The character of God can't access those things. And then they wonder why they think they're like always under attack. Oh, the enemy's after me. It's like, well, that's pretty much the only person you're dealing with. You're constantly engaging the enemy and the enemy's uh, uh, resources. So yeah, the enemy keeps getting stronger because you keep feeding them. Fear. Guilt, shame, manipulation, instead of love and joy and hope and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness. <laughs> Sorry. I get to preaching. Oh. God invites Cain to change his perspective of the sacrifice. That's called repentance, right? To change your perspective. Why is why are you angry? What, why is your face so downcast? He says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Wait, this is awesome. Look at what God does here. He's like, Cain, Cain, listen to me. I don't, I, you need to understand why you're angry. You need to understand why you're bummed out. I didn't do that to you. I don't do that to you. You did that to you. You, you let this in. You let evil in. You let sin in. That's what, that's what God's doing. The next verse, if you do what is right, you see, see, Bob, Bob, I told you, if you do what is right, if you just behave correctly you must behave if you don't behave sin will eat you and devour you oh man so many so many manipulative messages have been preached on this verse so many people have done altar calls had people crying on the floor or throwing sticks in a fire sin is crouching at your door will you give in or will you do the right thing? Because if you do the right thing, you will be accepted by God. Uh, no, that's no. Stop it. This is not about behavior. If you do the right thing, what was the right thing? If you repent. If you do the right thing, will you not be accepted? Will you? If you just repent, God's literally saying, just change your heart right now. Like this is not going to be hard. This is not hard. Understand why you feel angry. Understand why you feel downcast, why you feel like a disappointment. Understand what's going on in your heart and repent. 
Take a different perspective. Because as soon as you do that, Cain, you'll be accepted. This is not, this is not about behavior. It's about his heart. God invites a heart change. He will not demand it. He will not force it. He will not give you like no other options except to comply with it. Because freedom is about your ability to handle choices, not your ability to obey the law. And love always brings freedom. Always. And that's what God is. God is love. Sin always wants to rule over you. Sin always is crouching at the door. It desires to have you. It wants to rule your life. It wants you under the law. The law of fear, shame, pride, rejection, disappointment, want. This is what this is what sin desires your perspective to be. That everything I do did it measure up. Everything I think was it acceptable. Everything I tried was it good enough? Was it perfect? Everyone I meet, do they really like me? Are they pretending? I'm nobody likes. No, you know, I'm, I never measure up. I'm never. I'm never acceptable. I'm never loved. This is what sin wants to do. It wants to rule over you. It wants to give you so many, we'll call them boundaries, laws, shackles, chains, uh, restrictions, uh, whatever. It wants to just pile all this stuff on you so that you have no way out. It wants to leave you empty and wanting and desperate. This is this is the the way of the enemy. This is the way of the the way of yeah, the way of sin, the way of religion. This is the exact opposite of what you were created for. The exact opposite of where creation came from. This is the opposite of your true identity, identity, the opposite of your purpose and destiny. This is not what you were. This is not who you are. And that's what God's trying to communicate to Cain. If you do what's right, if you change your perspective right now, you, you're going to be accepted. You know this. But if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. God reveals that this is a choice. And it is really, you know, it's, it's, for, it's for all. This choice is always ready. There is no manipulation here. The questions uh, are all there to bring about revelation, and the revelation gives you that opportunity to choose. God wants Cain to, to, turn, to turn his heart. He wants Cain to rule over it. What does it mean? It means you can rule over it. That's the revelation here. This is your choice, Cain. You don't have to be a victim of this mindset that that you felt obligated to come out here and burn up some fruits and vegetables. Listen, I appreciate 
anybody who brings a sacrifice, I appreciate any any sacrifice. I appreciate the heart that it comes with. I don't need this. But I know it's valuable for you because what you worship, you become. And so if you worship me, you're going to become more like me. You're going to become more love. You're going to become more joy. You're going to become more hope. You're going to become more peace. What you worship, you become. So yeah, I I love that, that you and, and Abel and who knows how many others of the family worship me. This is awesome. But Abel brought it with the proper heart attitude, so I know he's going to become it like me. You didn't, so the enemy creeps in and he makes you feel shame and guilt and rejection. Bob, you covered this. I know. I know I covered it. And I know I'm hanging on it. And and this might, this I don't know if this will be a shorter episode, but I think we're just going to do this, these verses, and we'll pick up again. Uh, at the end, you know, uh, with the next one. But punishment is a weapon's enemy. A weapon is the enemy's weapon. <laughs> Flip your words, Bob. Punishment is an enemy's weapon. Sin comes with punishment because sin comes from the enemy. Punishment comes from the enemy. Selfishness and disappointment come with self-punishment. Adam and Eve did this. Selfishness, disappointment, self-punishment does not come from God. This, this sort of mindset is generated from the enemy. God's saying to, to Cain, listen, uh, you have to rule over this. You have the freedom to not come under this kind of obligation this kind of expectation, this kind of religion. You don't want to sacrifice to me. I'm fine with that. Just stay right with me. Just be in relationship with me. Just keep keep talking to me. That's, that's what he's looking for. And Cain, Cain knew this because he clearly had enough of a relationship with, with God that when God started talking, Cain didn't freak out and run. He's he's standing at his sacrifice and he gets he gets angry. And he probably, you know, maybe he's kicking rocks. Maybe he's jabbing a stick at the fire, realizing, you know, this this is completely unacceptable. I know God, I've disappointed everybody, wasted this food, wasted all this time, wasted all this energy. This is useless. God's useless. I'm useless. Everything, you know, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate this place. This is this is all God's fault. My parents ruined my life because they made bad choices and now I have to live with it. I mean, I can see all of that running through his through his mind. It's easy to think like that. And into that kind of atmosphere, God shows up and he doesn't say, "Well, you're right." He says, "Hey, Hey, why, why, why are you angry? Why, why are you bummed out? What's up? Your face doesn't look, no, you know, doesn't look happy. <laughs> I'm used to talking to you. You usually look really happy. You usually do get along really well. You enjoy working the ground. You, you I, I've seen you. You love it when your vegetables produce 
uh, product. You love it when your trees produce fruit. You like you. What's going on? You're upset because of this. Listen, if you do what's right, you you know you're going to be accepted. You, if you show up out of an expression of love to me, I, I really don't care what you do. You know you know you're acceptable with me. You know you're going to walk this out. But if but if you're feeling rejected and shameful and embarrassed and prideful and arrogant over this, then you know that's not me, bro. <laughs> bro. He broed him. No. You know it's not me. This is, this is your choice. Listen, sin is always looking to attack you. It's crouching at the door. It, and, and I'm sure that that meant something to Cain, right? He knows what wildlife does. He knows what crouching is. He goes, it's, it's, sin's always there. It's, what is it? What, what, what's a lion do when it crouches? It's waiting for an opportunity. It doesn't just show up. I mean, you, you've, you've seen those animal adventures on TV. They don't go hunting by just running down the, the mountain or across the grassy plain at full speed. No, they, they wait for the opportunity. Just keep waiting. Just keep waiting. Just stay quiet. Just keep waiting. And he knew this about the, about the enemy because he had listened to his parents tell the story probably more times than he wanted to hear. How cunning the enemy was in the serpent. How calculated, how patient. And when the opportunity was there, he took it. And God's saying, listen, this is not, you know, this is not unusual. You know that. The enemy saw an opportunity and he and he took it. It's okay. You're not evil. You're not, you're not bad. But your heart wasn't right. You know that. Just get your heart right. Everything will be fine. If you don't, if you don't, you're not going to rule over over the enemy. The enemy will rule over you. You're gonna you're gonna give the enemy authority to run your life, unless you take that authority back because it's your life. You can run it. But just know this: punishment is from the enemy, not me. All of this self-punishment, self-rejection, all this that comes from you. Letting him in, you giving access to the enemy. This is what he's been waiting for. This is what he's crouching at the door to obtain. And it's fine. You gave it to him. Take it back. If you do the right thing, will you not be accepted? This is this is not hard, you know, difficult math. Make the right choice, Cain. Now, uh, I'm looking. This is uh this we're gonna end here. I know it's like 30 minutes. It's been a short one, uh, shorter than most, but that's okay. You guys don't mind having a short one. I I, I want to end here because I want to handle the next round, which I think is also very revealing of God's heart for Cain, for Cain, for Cain. So let's uh, let's deal with what happens to Cain, Cain's punishment. Uh, let's deal with that next week. Thank you guys so much for joining me on the Epic Narrative. I'll see you again soon. Don't go anywhere. We've got Bob Thoughts.
Well, everyone, how in the world are you? Here's some thoughts. One of the things that struck me about uh, today's episode was that God does not come into circumstances with the same energy that we may have in those circumstances. Does that make sense? Like when God comes in to see Cain, Cain is clearly very distraught, very upset, very negative. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, very negative is kind of a <laughs> a gentle way of putting it, but he's in a bad spot and God doesn't come in with that same kind of energy, right? There's so many people in authority that when, when we, you know, I, I'm thinking of myself like when I've been in as a as a athlete and and i'm having you know i'm very disappointed in my uh performance and i come off the field and the coach would meet me with that same kind of energy like yeah you suck no actually they did say that when i was when i was in uh <laughs> an athlete because they were allowed to now they probably aren't allowed to and coach would probably be arrested and uh, charged with lewd and lascivious behavior by telling somebody they suck because everybody's special and everybody's amazing and and you can't say bad things to people anymore but back in my day <laughs> I'm not saying it was right or wrong I'm just saying back in my day a coach would meet you with that kind of same kind of energy you'd come off feeling bad and they would like pile it on uh, but there's still parents that do this right they their, their child feels bad about what they did, and they'll say, yeah, you should feel bad. And it struck me again when I listened uh, to this week's episode that um, God doesn't come into that circumstance with Cain, with Cain's energy, Cain's atmosphere. He comes in with the atmosphere of heaven. And that, I think, is really vital. I think it's important that we stay so connected to where we come from that wherever we show up, that shows up with us. That the atmosphere of heaven, doesn't that sound so Christian-y? <laughs> Christianese is such a weird language, but it does exist. It's just kind of funny. So when you show, <coughs> excuse me, with the atmosphere of heaven, that's what shows up. It shows up in a, in a place where you're going to ask questions so that the relationship isn't broken. You're going to interact with the person, not from a place of judgment or agreement, <clears throat> right? But from a place of perspective that says, this is not who you are. Your actions don't define you. And I'm not going to let your actions define you. I am going to stand beside you and remind you that you don't have to be here. You can be somewhere else. You don't have to be in this, in this attitude. You can rise above it to a place where you are going to be a different person. And what you just did is going to have a proper place of perspective in your life so that you don't feel overwhelmed and don't feel rejected and don't feel disappointed and don't beat yourself up. So uh, that was, that was uh, yeah, I just think that's really, currently that's what my thoughts are. I was, I was just like, yeah, that needs to be something that we all do. And then we need to start doing it for ourselves. And this is really difficult. This is really difficult because I think of myself even driving. Okay, I'm um, at the time of these recordings, right? I don't know, they, theoretically, someone could listen to this in five years. But at the time of these recordings, I am 
traversing the U.S. with an RV uh, with my wife, and we are having a blast. But there are times in my driving of the RV that I get myself into circumstances where I am really disappointed in myself. I, I have pulled into a gas station and there is no way out without great difficulty, without inconveniencing people. Uh, we pulled into, you know, a, uh, a campsite, pulled up, I should say, into a campsite that, you know, it sounded great online. Like you, you know, you book these things online, it sounded great online. And I mean to tell you, there was, there was my rigs, a, a fairly large rig. It's 38 feet long. And man, if this campsite was anything, it might've been 40 feet long. So um, that's going to be tight. Then, then it's, it's front edge is on right on this little road. It was, it was on a national park, but it was on the seashore. So it was a gorgeous sight. But in order to back in, I literally was going to have to block traffic. And I don't mean just a little bit like, oh, this is going to be inconvenient. No, given my, at that time, my backing up skills. <laughs> oh, man. So we made an attempt. We did. Bless their hearts. We blocked traffic. Uh, the, the park rangers came up. They, you know, they, they blocked traffic. And I tried. And it was like, mm, and after about, what seemed an eternity, it was probably about five to 10 minutes. I was like, no, I'm going to pull up. So I just pulled forward. I, I found a place to pull off the road. Uh, and ultimately, we did find another site there on the beach. And it was gorgeous. And we had a great time. But but man, that those moments, it's very tough for me on a personal level to stay connected to the atmosphere to heaven, to stay in that place where I come from, because I look, I I feel that weight when I'm dis when I think I'm disappointing and upsetting others. That is uh, that's an area of growth that I still have, and so these opportunities to grow come up, and these opportunities are valuable for me because I know I need to be in a place ultimately where I'm constantly connected to heaven, where I always remember where I come from, and I'm not sitting back in a place where I become overwhelmed with disappointment and want to reject myself and call myself names and beat myself up uh, because that's not healthy for me. And then, of course, it destroys the atmosphere in which my wife is also trying to exist because well, in an RV, you have to resist, you know, exist in a pretty close atmosphere. You can't <laughs> There's literally one room to go to if you want to get away from each other. It's the bedroom. Uh, so there's, you know, hmm, you're gonna you're gonna create an atmosphere, and when it's negative, you you know this, right? Negative atmospheres can penetrate walls, and you can create a world in which nobody wants to exist. So I just love, for me, again in this atmosphere that we see that God doesn't show up into the world of Cain with the same atmosphere that Cain is projecting. He comes in. With the atmosphere of heaven, I would expect nothing less, but it's just a good reminder that that's something we can also do because it's something that Jesus also did. And he shows us Jesus is, you know, our example of somebody who stayed connected to where it came from all the time. And he is our example of who God is all the time. 
And that's the way Jesus approached everybody's circumstances. And that's the way God does. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate your encouragement. Keep up uh, your lives and staying connected uh, to where you come from. You all come from this amazing place called The Beginning. And it is filled with love and joy and hope and peace. And I pray that for all of us, we, we stay connected there and we bring that kind of atmosphere to every circumstance we show up in and every circumstance we create for ourselves. Have a great day, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.